Welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast, where we will explore the local arts culture and community in the Lehigh Valley. We'll be doing this through conversations with individual artists, administrators, and organizations. We'll discuss all types of mediums with the goal of enriching local arts culture. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Lehigh Valley Arts Podcast. I am Ben, and today we are recording live from Doug Bame's studio at the Banana Factory. Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Also with is Elise. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> thank you, Doug, for having us here. Excellent. Your studio You're is always awesome. welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, we've been trying to get you on for like a year now. I'm glad that it finally worked out. Yeah, I remember when you initially asked me about it, I'm like, ah, I want to do it, but I don't have anything to kind of report. And and then since I do have this big show coming up, I thought, hey, you know, maybe now would be the time. I like the efficiency. I don't have anything to report, so I'm not ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. I wait for the big things, you know, not the day-to-day. <laughs> Elise, would you mind reading Doug's bio for us? Sure. Doug Bame is a painter and illustrator whose personal work has been shown in galleries throughout the United States and collected in the U.S., U.K., Australia, and Taiwan. His illustration work has graced the pages of national publications and tour posters. Doug lives in Pennsylvania with his wife and three children. Well, Doug, we are sitting in your studio here at the Banana Factory, surrounded by what looks like many, many years of your a work. A lifetime yes. artwork. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you got here to the Banana Factory. So I've been here for about five years. What, what happened was <laughs> I have a very small house and I have three kids and... I, I gave them all my space <laughs> at my house. You know, I had I had a, a studio at my house, and then for a while it was in my basement. And for quite some time, uh, I have twin daughters. I, I have a little boy who's 11. My daughters are seven. And when the girls were born, I essentially stopped doing – I stopped painting completely for about two solid years. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple life instances that occurred that inspired me to start painting again. And it really, my space was so limited. We were considering getting a a larger house, actually, so we could upgrade, have more space, have a studio space in, in, in my basement. But the idea of, again, having a space in the basement versus having a studio, there was a lot to weigh there. My wife and I were also pretty overwhelmed with having still these young twins and my and my son and everything. So rather than just completely uprooting, I, I applied for a space here. And so that was really the the practical reason. <laughs> it's like very practical. It's very close to my house. It's two minutes down the road. However, you know, when this place first opened, I remember walking through being pretty enamored with all the different, you know, artists here in different spaces. So I applied and when I got in, it was really a, a lot changed with my art. You know, I was able to scale up a little bit, get a little bigger, you know, and, and I just started painting like lots and lots of paintings uh, on paper, on canvas, on board. I was able to bring my kids here on the weekend so they could take part in, in it. And then eventually, you know, right now I'm at a point where I'm here a lot of the time, weekends, uh, a lot of weekdays as well. It's been overall, it's been good to me from the standpoint that. It's a great place to to actually physically get artwork done, especially the new studio. I, I was I was in a, a location down the hall in a much smaller sp- space mm-hmm. initially for a couple of years, and then during the pandemic, this larger space with these great windows and everything became available. 
And I, I was able to even get larger with my work and, and get even give you more paintings out the door here. It's been great from, from that standpoint. Also, you know, it's been great to have other artists around. You know, I got to meet lots of great people. Lots of musicians actually have mm. come through and I've befriended over the years of my stay here. Yeah. So it's overall positive experience. When did you start painting? In terms like actual painting, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I was always a creative kid, literally ever since I was uh, very young, you know, five years old. I'm the youngest of three kids. My sister's eight years older than me. My, my brother's five years. So, you know, when, whenever they would do homework when they were in school, I would sit at the table with them and draw, you know. And I feel like it got me a little bit of attention as a young kid, you know, <laughs> sort of like my brother and sister got a little bit more of the attention. And then I'm there like, hey, remember me? And uh, <laughs> so I think drawing certainly, the, you know, got me a little bit of attention, even at school. I was telling someone the other day that <laughs> one of my earliest artistic business transactions, I was probably in first grade, maybe first or second grade. Uh, this one <laughs> kid that I went to school with uh, knew that I could draw. And he's like, hey, can you draw a tank for me? Or can you draw like this other specific, it was like, like vehicles of destruction or something, you know? <laughs> and I remember saying, sure, I'll draw that for you. And he was really into it. And he, he actually paid me in these little tiny muscle men. I don't know if you remember, like from the eighties, or like little tiny guys, like wrestlers and and different creatures. So yeah, so so I've been doing art and and drawing and that since I was very young. But in terms of actual painting in this style, I'll just say it's probably been 20 years, 2002, 2003, you know, I started focusing a little bit more energy on personal work mm -hmm. where prior to that, um, I went to Tyler school of art, graduated in 2001, focused most of my energy on illustration, editorial illustration. And then by way of developing that style that, you know, my, my, my editorial style, I think, you know, what you see in front of you here, this is like the, the product of of all those years, um, you know, working under crazy deadlines, cranking out illustrations in this yeah. kind of overall style that you might see some of these pieces on over here. Yeah, the whole texture, that was certainly a, a carryover from my illustration work into mm -hmm. my personal realm. So yeah, I, and then I would say about 20 years of, of starting to dabble a little bit more aside from illustration and starting to focus more on personal work. I, I know that you've done poster work as well for bands and yep. even for Music Fest. Yep. Did that help bridge that gap between yeah. the painting and that, that illustration? Yeah, it definitely did. I think um, the posters are equally as much about the band as they are personal. Sure. Um, I actually incorporate some, you know, personal mythology, you know, my own storytelling into these posters. Um, there's lots of different apes and some of them have tentacles and, you know, other certainly skeletons and other things that I painted for years. Like I've, I've painted so many skulls and skeletons <laughs> and that kind of stuff in my life. You know, I don't do a whole lot of that anymore, but, you know, sometimes it comes up. I do believe that having, having access and being able to do posters certainly created that bridge between my commercial, commercial editorial work and the more personal work. Mm. Um, and then, you know, those posters sort of come around and I'm not constantly making posters, but, you know, I might do a poster once a year, every other year, kind of keep, keep it fresh. 
Um, I would much rather, you know, in my current um, sort of compartmentalized time, I would rather focus on my own paintings, just kind of whatever I want to do. And I sure. always feel like if I'm able to just kind of disconnect from, you know, a project or a job, you know, it's just, it makes it more authentic. And I start, you know, incorporating more personal, you know, personal mythology into my work. It's interesting. A couple people that we've talked to or just people that have, I know that have worked as illustrators, um, maybe even before they got kind of into their own personal painting or like style of work. Sometimes it's like very either one or the other run into this issue of like the need to like crank stuff out really quickly um, and it's stressful or the ability to crank stuff out really quickly because you're so used to working on like this very strict deadline kind of workflow. How do you feel like that has translated for you? Well, I can paint really fast. <laughs> so yeah, I can, you know, I don't really spend a lot of times people are like, oh my gosh, do you spend like 80 hours on that? You know, like this, <laughs> like this large one over here. I do not spend 80 hours on a painting. I, I tend to... I, I think the most I've ever spent on a painting, maybe 20 hours. And that was, there's a really large painting down around the hallway that's this king. And I kind of had it in the background I, as I was doing other paintings. I like, I like to work on a lot of different things at the same time, especially when the, when the ball's rolling. That's That was an extreme. Usually it's like 15, 10 hours, something like that. Wow. You know, I, I, I'd like to, you know, I'll spend time developing the idea way before I actually start painting especially now that I'm using these panels that, that, you know, are really, they're very permanent. At least it seems <laughs> to me, it's like, it's going to last forever. Um, it's going to out, out, outlive me for sure. So because of that, I do, I do plan out, you know, I, I do sketches and kind of think about the total body of work. Um, so there's a little bit of time there, but the actual painting time, it, once the ball's rolling, it's, it's go time. And I'm, I know where I'm going. There's a little bit of improv along the way. Like if I compare the actual final piece to the sketch, sure. there's usually things that that deviate from the plan. And that's life, right? It's like you can plan, <laughs> have a plan, don't make it too specific. And then in the end, just kind of, um, you know, go with the flow a little bit. Do you find your sketches of the pieces beforehand to have the palette already included or are they more black and white? Typically black and white. And some of them are like really kind of cartoony, very like comic book-ish that, you know, when you see the final piece, you know, the texture and the color and just sort of the, uh, the, the dripping and all this other stuff, it starts to kind of remove itself from that, um, you know, uh, illustrative, you know, illustrator type comic look. Mm. Uh, sometimes the underpaintings, I've actually had a couple artists in here like, wow, I didn't realize your underpaintings look so like graphic novel or something, you know? Mm. And then as I start to layer color and, and other things on top, it starts to take a life of its own. Yeah. Yeah. In, in artists that work in similar line and style, there's a lot of debate whether they want to use a projector to help get those fine lines yeah. or freehand it from, from the beginning. What, what do you tend to uh, find yourself doing? I, I love composition just the placement of elements and form and all, all, all the, all those terms that go along with it. I, you know, usually the sketch is pretty tight in terms of the composition, you know, mm -hmm. and it's obviously at a much smaller scale. 
So it depends. I, you know, there's paintings. There's definitely paintings in this room where I where I very much just started painting. You know, or sometimes I might just take like a vine charcoal and just do very basic forms to just get the overall essence, and then I'll start. Um, so my my approach is very specific to the individual piece. I've done everything from that, like this very free form type approach to very rigid, you know, with the projector, you know, I actually have a projector up there. Nice. Um, if it's a large piece, like maybe I'll use a projector for this piece. That's, you know, five feet wide, mm-hmm. but you know, more often than not, I will take the sketch, blow it up at uh, Staples, the size of the canvas and I'll do a transfer. Oh, uh, okay. Um, Another thing I like to do very much, very recently, um, making stencils, mm. like especially the the landscapes. You might notice if you start looking at my work, sometimes you'll see, oh, that that's like the green version or the Verde version, right? Of, <laughs> yeah. of the original, you know, like that, that print over there, uh, that was one of the first landscapes I had done. I love that composition. So I had I made a stencil of that and I have a green version. And I have uh, sort of a nighttime version. I, I'm actually really into this idea of doing an AM version and a PM version. <laughs> so um, this King painting over here was was the, not a stencil, but th- that's the PM version. And I actually did an exactly the same piece that had sold. That's the AM version. So it's very light. So uh, some of the newer work that I've done, it's, it's exactly the same painting, but it's the AM and the PM version based on the fact that I have access to the stencil. But every piece is very unique. And the stencil is just there to make sure that I maintain some level of symmetry. And then at some point, symmetry kind of goes out out the, out the window. And um, it's no longer about symmetry. It's just about, you know, the color balance and, and, and so on. So It's so interesting looking at your pieces in person here because some of them do. They're, they're very symmetrical. They're very... Yeah geometric yeah. and balanced but some are also very like biomorphic and there's this yes. uh extremely naturalistic line through all of it that yeah. i think is really beautiful i i'm looking at the wall right in front of me that it yeah. just has so much green yeah um and i really like that part of your work and you've kind of been alluding to like characters and storytelling and graphic novels comic yeah. books but this lore that's behind your work, do you feel yeah. like it's it's very interconnected or it's kind of like these separate yeah. characters that make appearances in your work? Well, what you were saying about um, how some of them are symmetrical, some of them are non, and, and mm-hmm. like some very organic forms and so on. The, the symmetrical work is relatively new. I haven't been doing symmetrical work for 20 years. That's very recent, probably even during maybe just before the pandemic started, I probably did my first symmetrical. Um, and the reason the reason it took so long for me to get to that space is I remember being in school specifically, you know, I went to school for graphic design and illustration. And, you know, you know, if you, if you want to make your image dynamic, asymmetry is the way to go. It was always like the, the <laughs> mantra. It has to be asymmetrical. You know, even if you're, doing a figure drawing or something like that. Like one of the hands should be slightly smaller so that it gives it this depth, you know? And I remember being kind of trained or taught to kind of steer away from symmetry. But man, there's there's so much cool stuff out there that's symmetrical. (laughs) And I'm thinking about, you know, 
tapestries. I'm thinking about, um, you know, a lot of printmaking, you know, uh, look at Rorschachs, look at, you know, there's all this, there's a lot of cool stuff that's come out of symmetry. Symmetry has done a lot for humanity. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So I remember doing my first symmetrical piece that also happened to be one of my first landscapes. And that was because I just wrote my artist statement for this upcoming show that I'm in. And uh, it, it, I very much reveal, you know, sort of my mentality around it. It's a very personal story. So in 2019, um, my dad passed away. So obviously, you know, devastating for, for, for myself and my family. And um, it was sort of a long, a long time coming and, and I felt prepared for it. But regardless of how you spin it, you're never really prepared for it. So I took time to, to reflect. And I definitely, after that happened, even before he, he actually passed away, I feel like I started focusing more energy on my art because it helped me. It was therapeutic, right? You know, going through hard times, I think, you know, music and, and art and just creativity helps, right? But I remember reflecting about uh, just how everything occurred. And even before that, I, I remember sharing one of the very first landscapes that I had done with my dad. And I told him that, you know, <laughs> my dad was not an artist, but he always, he was always supportive of, of what I had, of what my interests were um, in terms of art. And, um, you know, he, he didn't really have a connection to art museums or any of this kind of stuff, but it was more, he understood that I had a talent, right? And he wanted to be supportive of it regardless of how supportive he was of it. And, and same thing would apply to my mom. Um, I remember at a very young age, I started doing very bizarre artwork, right? It was like all skulls, you know, it was like heavy metal album covers were like my big <laughs> you know, heavy metal album covers, skateboard graphics and comic books, you know, were, were like my big inspirations because it was very accessible. It was print. You, know, you can go to the, you can go to the, uh, go to this, any store and pick up a comic book. Um, and I was into skateboarding at the time, but because of that and, and that influence, my work started taking on, a, you know, pretty bizarre topics. And I remember my dad like, Oh, why don't you ever draw anything nice? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I heard him say that um, so many times. And, you know, it's like, of course, when I got out of, out of college and I started making money doing it, it was like, that's eh, all right. That's cool, you know. Um, but I remember so many times. Why don't you draw? Why don't you ever paint like a, a mountainside? You know, like a nice landscape, a <laughs> meadow, or some deer. You know, because um, you know my dad and I were very much into the outdoors, and so you know, I thought to myself, maybe he's right. <laughs> I thought, hey, what if you know? I'm I'm really bummed out about everything going on. So why not, you know, do a landscape? Why not? It's a people pleaser, right? You know, why not tap into that? So if really sort of very close to his death, I had done one of my very first uh, landscapes and I started posting them on, on Instagram. If you were like, oh my gosh, it, it was in my style and the textural aspect of everything that I've kind of led up to at this point, yeah. but it was also symmetrical, right? So it was breaking the, the trend of going asymmetrical on all my paintings to symmetry and the, and the subject matter, rather than being figurative or a creature or something bizarre or, or had a, a, another meaning, like for a while I was into the, um, the central nervous system. I painted the central nervous system many times. I painted kings and queens many times. 
I painted, um, you can see this piece here. It's a pretty old piece. I painted probably 50 or 50 to 60 of those, those pink and blue apes, right? So it's like, you know, my work was kind of all over the, all over the place in terms of subject matter. But when I did that landscape, I remember showing it to him. It was probably like literally months before he passed. And he said, that, that's great. You know, it was, you know, <laughs> he really, he really liked it. And I think that people really do enjoy the landscapes because they're this meditative, right? Mm-hmm. And then this new work, this new body of work that I'm developing that that's currently going to be shown opening on, on Friday. I also brightened up the colors. I was in this green phase. <laughs> you, you mentioned it, you saw it right yeah. away. I, I've painted so many green paintings and there's a whole story behind why um, I was in this whole green phase. But I brightened up the colors during the pandemic specifically. I'd already started painting landscapes in this symmetrical style. But, I, you know, I deliberately went the opposite. And I started brightening my colors up and exploring more with, with a wider range, a full, a full spectrum of color. People really, it's, it's meditative, it's a positive message, but then there's also this, this other angle to those images where I was mentioning to you earlier that people, people see things in them, you know, mm. because of the symmetry that Rorschach, right, you know, or, or Gestalt, you know, the, is that a face? Is it a, you know, what is that? Is it a bird's wing? Is it, you know, is it a person? Is it this, that, or the other. Um, and that fascinates me, the idea that it was not intended to look anything like that and people see it. And maybe I didn't even see it that way, you know. I like that concept of like you responding to how people see your work because people yeah. want to interpret artwork like yes. based on your personal yeah. background or your personal interests. You might not have any yeah. interest or knowledge of Rorschach or you might not care yeah. about any of it, but it's cool to like, I think it's really cool yeah. when people look at artwork and they're like, Oh, this is what I see based. And yeah. it's all based on personal experience. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, you know, the, the symmetry aspect, like I, I'm, I have three that I'm doing over there. That will be probably the last symmetrical pieces I do for a while. I'm taking a break from it. Wow. I have lots of other ideas for new themes and other things that I want to do. But, you know, it's, that's how I kind of do it. I'll work on something until it's done, until it's like all my energy is spent on it. <laughs> and then it's like, man, I got to do something new. That's why, you know, when I think about artists that have maintained a career for 60 years or something, and it's like, there's been many where that their work in their twenties looks so similar to, you know, their, their seventies. And, you know, it's like, they're giving people what they want and what they're famous for. But for me, I want to be able to paint a landscape, do an abstract, do a King, you know, paint, you know, paint a King or a figurative piece or this, that, and the other, and still somehow make it feel like it all goes together. Sure. And, um, you know, I, I, I tend to get bored pretty quick. So the idea of, oh, the next body of work is going to be symmetrical landscapes. I'm kind of like, let me pump the brakes for a while and <laughs> figure out something new as a palette cleanser. It's a very efficient way of thinking. Yeah. You're like, ah, in the, the next phase, I will. Yeah, yeah. I'll, come, I'll get back to it. I'll compartmentalize we'll my ideas yeah. ahead of time. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You'd mentioned a story surrounding why you use green. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would love to hear that. Yes. I painted, I don't know how many paintings in green, but it, my house is green. 
it's like this yellowish green. A lot of colors um, internationally mean different things as well. Like sometimes red might be very offensive in a certain culture and some others it's very passionate, you know, where green is one of the misconfused colors. It has so many positive connections to green. It's like, you know, it's, you know, spring and nature and, um, and all these really, you know, you know, fresh, new, right. Green, very calming. Right. And then it also has this really negative connotation. It's greed, it's money, it's envy. Um, people, you know, if you're not educated on a topic, they'll call you green. Right. So it's totally, um, it's divisive color. And I also think that a lot of people either love green. There's also a lot of people that just don't like green (laughs) in terms of, um, it's just one of those divisive colors, but the re- one of the reasons I, I love painting with green, it's, you know, the type of green that I use uh, creates a very nice sort of neutral ground. So I do like the meaning of, of it. Specifically, some people, again, see it di- totally differently. Where, you know, if it's blue, a lot of people love blue, right? It's like calming and, and all this. Where green, especially it's this sort of like acid green, a lot of the greens that you see in my work, mm. that was like indicative of like so, so many paintings that I had done. I also like, you know, in terms of, of things that have dual meanings, kings have this dual meaning as well. Like some people want to be the king, right? They want to be the king. It's like revered and other people don't like the king, right? You know, or, or, or just the whole idea of royalty, you know? So for me... Um, you know, painting subjects that might potentially have dual meanings, snakes, right? In many, in, in Christian culture, it's negative, right? In other cultures, it's totally positive. There's actually a, a culture um, that believes that if you eat a snake, you actually live forever, right? So it's just interesting how people see a symbol and they, they feel one way or the other, right? Some people love snakes, some people are terrified. My dad was terrified of snake. <laughs> Anything snake-like, he was terrified of it. Probably the most, like the symbol that I've painted the most, the visual symbol, uh, um, symbol, water. So, And water is also, it's like, you need water to survive, right? It could be really dangerous. You know, you, you know it could be life-threatening. You can be floods and, and um, you know, drowning and, and just the power of the ocean, right? Where, you know. It's this thing that everyone needs, but it's also, it could be incredibly dangerous. So, you know, I, I like those themes where that's like the drama of, of the art that I do. Oh, I, I love it though. Cause it, it, it takes this idea of color theory and really yeah. helps bring a sense of understanding to the subject material that you're yeah. painting. Yeah. And then of course, like the orange started to kind of pop, you know, it's pretty risky, you know, doing this like acid green with orange right you're like oh it's kind of really jarring when you it's it's one of those things where if you saw them separately this is the orange color this is the green color not in the same painting you'd be like that's terrible that's like (laughs) that's not gonna work that's just not gonna work but you know sometimes i like that idea of taking things that shouldn't work and then you put them together and and next thing you know you have something that's new yeah definitely I'm seeing a lot of these repeated themes, whether it be horses or skulls or mountains, nature, eyes. Yeah. 
Monkeys. Yes. Mushrooms. Where do you find yourself drawing most of your inspiration? Well, you know, I, I do think that nature, it's such a classic theme, right? Nature. So I do think, you know, growing up, that was one of the big things you know, with my dad and my family, like just spending time in nature, fishing, hunting, hiking, um, just generally hanging out in, in open spaces. So that was always in, in, inspiring to me. And uh, I mean, after, you know, turning 20 or so, I, I certainly ventured out. I've been to a bunch of national parks and, and, you know, I have a high respect for, for even just the environment in general. Um, I think I would consider both my wife and I, my family to be pretty environmentally conscious, you know, respecting the beauty of, of what, what's out there. You know, Mm. I like gardening as well. You know, so like, I think the green, the green is also relative to that, but in terms of, you know, the whole ape thing that, 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 that pink and blue ape, that yeah. you see here and there's also another one up in the top yeah i think i only have two of those left but i painted those a lot and the first time i had, I had painted those i took part in this this show i don't even know if they still do them anymore but vans would sponsor the sneaker pimp show and it was usually more of a west coast thing uh the shows that i've taken part in were on the west coast and that the one it was a, they would send different artists slip on vans and you'd paint them up and then take part in a show. And the one that I had taken that that initial one that I had taken part in was in Portland, Oregon. And you know, it's like I'm sitting there in front of these sneakers, these white sneakers. Like, what am I going to do, you know, with this? And it was left and right, you know. So I'm thinking, is it stereo? Left and right, left and right shoes. I do think that there was something out there that you know, just this whole idea, you know, evolution and everything. You know, it's like you know, again, connecting to nature and, and um, I, I just landed on, on apes. It was just something I was sketching and doodling and next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing apes. Apes are very popular. You've seen a re- reinsurgence of those NFT apes, right? You know, yeah. I remember talking to some folks about that, like, you know, oh my God, you should do NFTs of those, right? <laughs> so you had the apes before they were cool. Yeah, I was doing the apes <laughs> before they were on NFTs. Um, yeah, that was, what year is that? Is it 2008 maybe? Yeah, maybe, maybe 07. Uh, you know, again, I think the first, that sneaker pimp show that I mentioned was probably 05 or so. I painted these two apes. I'm like, what if I, you know, you alternate pink and blue, right? So it's, there's no gender associated with it if it's, if it's together. They're twins, kind of twins. Um, this whole idea, like I love music. So this whole stereo idea, they're wearing headphones with like transmitters on them or something. <laughs> Uh, I had a little story about them that they're not even from this planet. So it like, it, it just evolved from this sneaker that I had painted into many, many um, other paintings based on them. And then, you know, the other story behind those particular characters, years later, I ended up having twins, right? <laughs> so I guess the, the years of manifesting twin twins out in, into the, into the universe. Now I have twins of my own. So, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, of course, you know, even recently, the, the recent Primus poster that I had done this year um, features an ape. And, you know, I also, you know, depending on the type of music, you know, that is certainly, it's a classic, iconic theme, right? Apes, evolution, you know, in terms of you know, nature's class. I do like classic themes and then having my own spin on it, you know, kings and queens and snakes. These are very, they're all very classic 
and have been painted by many other artists over and over again. And, you know, I think everything has essentially been done. You know, it's very, it's very rare that you see an artist, especially a contemporary artist where you're like, that's completely 100%, you know, not derivative of anything. So, you know, <laughs> even, even some of the artists here that you might see, you know, you, you can, I was actually having a conversation about music with somebody recently and, it's like I was listening to a song. That kind of sounds like this other band, right? You always, people do that. And people come into my studio and they're like, oh, that kind of looks like this. And it's because people set their own meaning to things or they're, they have their own vernacular or whatever you want to call it. You know, they're, sure. they're like, oh, it looks like Samurai Jack. You know, that was one of the, like, <laughs> I can't remember what one of my pieces that somebody thought it looked like Samurai Jack. Or they thought thought it looked like you know. I remember somebody uh, coming through. Oh, it looks like your stuff, your stuff looks like Tim Burton, and that's a very limited view, right? And I'm like, right. I don't really see that. People have referenced lots of different things over the years because it's, there's such classic themes that people again put their own meaning mm -hmm. and, and reference their own um, experience. And you know he, that piece over there with the skulls and the horses and all that. Like I, I've definitely painted the four horsemen <laughs> several times over uh, throughout the course of my career here, and that was a, a more recent one. And uh, you know, I, I painted that during the pandemic because everyone thought you know this is like the end. You know, the fact that I started painting brighter colors and you know I, to, to deliberately get myself out of that mindset. Um, that was one of the pieces that I had done during that time frame, where like, everything's going to be okay. We're all going to get through this. So, you know, showing this extreme image of the four horsemen with flowers and vines growing out of their, uh, out of their bodies and so on seemed to be appropriate for the time. Well, in there, you'd mentioned about work, you'd mentioned about family and, uh, obviously since you're here, you have an art practice. What does yeah. it, what does it look like for you to balance all of those responsibilities? Yeah. It, you know, my time is definitely compartmentalized. You know, it's like anything else. If you, if you, you know, if something brings you meaning and, and it's important to you, you make time for it. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's very difficult to balance. Uh, fortunately, my wife is very supportive of my art. Um, both her and I went to art school together. And mm -hmm. so she understands that, you know, we both need to kind of get out, you know, and, and do our own thing separate from the family from time to time. Like, sure. you know, like once a week or so, I'll get to go do my paintings, you know. A lot of times I'll wait for the kids to go to, to, go to bed before I even come here. This is like a late, a late night practice here. Mm. Yeah, so my, my wife is, I think without her and her under, level of understanding, it would probably be very difficult for me to get the, <laughs> the amount of art uh, out the door that I produce. Um but, you know, it, it's time management, you know, really. <laughs> However, I will also say, as I, I was working through the show, unfortunately, some, some things got pushed off, like at home, you know. So, now I'm catching up, mm. you know. I'm going through the basement, right, for sure. example. It's like go, getting back to reality rather than living <laughs> in my, my art cloud. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, my kids also enjoy coming to the space, they're very, very creative kids as well. My my son uh, is turning out to be an artist as well, uh, or at least a, a visual creative person. Um, he also plays guitar. So he's taking on, on, you know, it's like, I'm not pushing. I, I don't like, I don't want to be like one of these dads where it's like, oh, the kids are doing, you know, 
they need to play football because I played college football or high school football. I'm not like that. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely not a sports person, but I'm just drawing that analogy um, where, you know, I'm an artist. So therefore they have to be an artist or some kind of creative person. But I do think that because it's kind of all I talk about and do, and, you know, most of our outings, a lot of our outings have, it's either nature or art. (laughs) Those are the two things for sure. And that just happens to be <laughs> what I'm interested in. And uh, he's certainly absorbing my son specifically. Um, my daughters are starting to really get involved in making little comic books as well. Yeah. You know, my daughter, Emma is getting uh, piano lessons and Ayla's getting drum lessons. So yes, I'm creating a family band and we're going to be going on the road together. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so yeah, just create, you know, I think having, the fact that they're interested in the creative, the creative world, you know, imagination and whatever else you want to call it, it makes it a little bit easier for me to break away and 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 do the work that I do. Mm. I will say, doing a solo show is very difficult. It's almost to the point where it's almost nonsensical for me to like, oh, I'm going to create a solo show, or I'm going to. Mm create 15 paintings in a year. That's a lot of paintings. Sure. If you want to make each one unique and, and meaningful based on the level of compartmentalization that I have going on in my life. So I think for a while, I, I need to take a break. I'm going to do a few paintings at a time. I love doing a bunch of paintings at the same time though. I, like, I, don't, I, I, don't, I very rarely work on one painting. You know, usually it's like, yeah, I'll work on this, on this painting and then I'm going to switch over to something else um, or I'll have a series in mind. Sure. I do think in more in series than just a one-off. And then sometimes a one-off, if I, if I do end up doing a one-off, it turns into a series. Well, as I'm looking around, I'm seeing your work on beer cans and guitars, mm. books. Is that a snowboard back there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a snowboard, yeah. Um, mugs, like all sorts of near everyday objects. Yeah. What is, what is a, what's your interest in, in combining art with everyday objects like that. So I, lo- I love painting on canvas. I love painting on, on these, these boards that I've been painting on. I am definitely more of a 2d type artist, but I do think that when you paint on a guitar or when you paint on a book or you paint on a 3d object, all of a sudden that's the thing that people want to talk about. That's like the big conversation piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you, you know, um, what are those? Oh, those are books, you know, and like those pieces over here, sealed up books, never to be read, you know, and it takes on a whole other meaning. So I do think that like I was mentioning about even that the orange and the green, like they're kind of like, okay, well you smash them together and do it in a certain way. And all of a sudden it's this unique thing. It's the same thing with mm. you take an object and then you paint on it. Suddenly it's this whole other thing. Um, you know, my time is fairly compartmentalized. So I have to be really kind of efficient with how I approach. Um, I think if I did have more time, I would probably consider painting more 3D objects, maybe larger 3D objects. Um, The guitars are fairly new uh, in terms of my fascination. And uh, the guitars were, um, you know, I'm friends with some local musicians that had... uh, uh, kind of acquired through them. And uh, I love painting guitars. Like I, I could actually see myself at some point, maybe years from now, who knows, but, you know, focusing more energy on that. 
um, doing geometric designs, which I, I, you know, again, even geometric designs, it was something that was pretty not uh, characteristic of some of my previous work. Mm. And uh, I do feel like during the pandemic, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, it was like licensed to kind of just explore and do whatever, like, like whatever you want, you know? And if, even if it's totally different from what you were doing before, it was fine, you know? I would love to paint a whole car at some point or like go bigger. <laughs> That's like, I, you know, if I, if I could somehow make arrangements to do like a mural with like a series of cars in front of it that are painted, that, that would certainly be appealing to me. Awesome. I, I love painting on 3D objects for sure. Well, I would love to next dive into the piece that you presented us. Yeah. We can, uh, let's start with an audio description of that piece. All right. So this piece is titled Mother of the Mountain. It's acrylic on panel done in 2022 by Doug Bame and is 30 inches by 40 inches. This artwork is a stylized mountain scene in portrait orientation. The texture is rough and scraped in appearance. The central colors are soft and cool blues and greens with a bit of pale yellow. In the foreground is a deep crevicing valley with cracks and ridges that run horizontally and point towards the center of the artwork. The center between the ridges is dark and a small green circle sits in the depths below the crevice. As we travel up the piece, we enter a mountain range that has many layers of organically shaped mountains that point towards the sky. Some mountain peaks are short and taller mountains layer behind them. Waving pale yellow lines travel along the mountain ridges, revealing their naturalistic shape and topography. A narrow yellow sky at the top of the piece centers around a black circle where the sun should be. A very straight central line travels from the green circle in the depths of the artwork to the folds of the mountain ranges and points towards the eclipsed sun at the top of the piece. So this is one of your newer pieces. Yes. And is... I think the description fails to communicate uh, how symmetrical it is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Going back to that symmetry thing. Um, yeah. It's part of the, of this new show and it's certainly one of the show pieces. There's two larger pieces that are the show pieces, this being one. And then the other one um, is a totally different composition and a totally different color palette. The other one is very bright, very warm, lots of pinks and reds and oranges. And this one is very blue and very kind of calm and cooling. And, uh, you know, it almost has this like fire and ice type kind of connection when they're together. They were certainly the show pieces, the big kind of um, reveal pieces. So basically this, this upcoming show, they're all portrait style vertical pieces. And this happens to be one of them that's that's in this stacked perspective style. That's what I call it. Mm. Rather than one point or two point perspective, this is stacked where it's actually taking you back in, in space, starting from the, the bottom portion of, of the painting all the way to the top. And the top piece, the top portion is certainly the furthest away in, in terms of depth. In terms of this piece, like I said, it, it's primarily blue. There's a lot of very cool colors. There's some green in there, a little bit yellow in the sky, but it's very calming. And it's very, it's pretty large and it's, it's probably the more meditative piece based on its kind of calming, cooling colors where the other one, that fire version, eh, you know, it's pretty intense. It doesn't give you, it still has that meditative quality, but because of the color, that red, it's so vibrant mm. where this one's very calming, uh, mother of the mountain, you know, I should say in terms of the pieces in the show, since they're very symmetrical, people do see things in these pieces. 
And it depends on, it's not even intentional sometimes, you know, people might say, oh, I see, like I see bird wings or I see, is it a moth? Is it this, is it that? What is it? Um, for this one, I sent it to my brother in this kind of small style, this small image uh, via text. And he said, oh, looks, is that a woman? And I'm like, mm, it wasn't intended to be a woman, but if that's, if that's what it shall be, that's what it shall be. This particular one seemed to feel more feminine mm. than the other. And I think that some of it, there's like also a sense of mystery in this one that, uh, and subtlety in this one versus the other, this, the, the, the fire version of it, right? The mountains and in the, in, in all the way in the back kind of very, very much disappear into the background. And, you know, there's all these, uh, you know, leading all the way to the foreground where it's very defined. There's something more atmospheric about it as well than some of the other pieces in the show. It's funny, you use the word meditative, which I agree with to an extent, and I don't want to make these limited perspective comparisons, no, but I've been watching fine. a lot of Lord of the Rings recently. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and it's in terms of color palette and... Yeah. Just kind of like, I agree this feminine energy. Um, something is wrong. Like when I look at it, I'm like, something unsettles me. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's, there's like these layered mountains all the way in the back that almost like curve in towards the yes. viewer. Yeah. There's like this eclipsed, eclipsed sun and yeah, the dominus, right? Sun, yeah. Like it's, it like pulls you and you're like, ah, oh, yes. And then you're like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's bodies in the bog yeah, on the yeah. way to Mordor. Like, yeah, oh yeah. no. No, I think that that observation is is perfectly valid. I actually, you know, in writing my statement for for the show, um, I had mentioned that, you know, one of the things I love about creating these these images, people see different things, as mm -hmm. mentioned. It's actually very similar when, you know, if you ever go to like Mount Denali, you know, in, in Alaska, or any like major, you know, mountain range, you know, I went to um, Hawaii at some point, went to the top of a volcano, you know, at four o'clock in the morning to see the sunrise. Right. And it's kind of creepy, you know, when you're up there, it's dark out and you're kind of waiting and everyone's kind of standing around waiting for this, for this beautiful thing to, re to reveal itself. But I believe that sometimes when people see something so beautiful or so just awe-inspiring, that some people are actually scared, <laughs> you know, some people are overwhelmed. Some people feel small, right? And then other, other people might see it completely differently. That's so inspiring. It's something that's so grand that's beyond words. You know, that's the other part of it. It's beyond words. Mm. So I think different life experiences as well. People experience things differently. Some people walk away from, you know, uh, you know a death in the family or a major life occurrence ruined, you know, or some people end up really taking it as an experience. And um, so I'm kind of, now I'm going real deep on this piece here, but uh, you know, I think that I do think that you see what you see in the piece, but it, in my statement, I had mentioned that the intention is to be uplifting on this, this work, because if you see the total body of work, there's lots of bright colors. This one happens to be very cooling as very, very uh, a calm color. But there is something unsettling because mm. I can't help but somehow introducing this layer of drama <laughs> right. into my pieces that sometimes feel unsettling, you know? Of course. Um, and it is intentional, right? So it's meditative, but it's also like, 
a little scary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could be overwhelming. You, but the, I think the unsettling quality to this one, there's sharp edges. I think. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with yes. that. Yes. For as calming as it, it sh- you think it is, what uh, uh, just the total, the color palette, there's definitely some sharp edges. Right. Yeah. This... And that's, that's, that's the balance, right? Right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautifully stated. It, it calls to mind a lot, this idea of a mantra, right? Yeah. How in horror movies, the villains will often be chanting a mantra, but yeah. in meditation, you would be saying <laughs> these words over and over and over again as well. Yeah. And it's a, it's this idea of a mantra in, in yeah. this, this very dualistic use. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually interesting. Like a lot of times the villain, like I'll tell you, you know, villains from the 80s or 90s. Yeah. Sometimes I was actually more, it was more appealing to me, the villain versus the hero. I always felt like the hero as portrayed in in lots of science fiction throughout that time frame, um, whether it's Star Wars, like Darth Vader. I have Darth Vader on my credit card, actually. People comment on all all the time. Love Skeletor. <laughs> Love you know all, all all these villains are from a lot of the shows that I used to watch. Um, yeah, they always had the, the the monologues, right? They were always they always they always they were always saying like the smart things, <laughs> and then the hero of, of that time was like, "We're gonna win," you know. <laughs> the, the backstory and the character development of the villain is always better than the hero. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Even in Disney movies, you know, the villain—they always nail the villain. It's always so, like so amazing. complex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the show. Yeah, and then uh, then we can go from there. Sure. Great. So. If you'd like to see this work in person, um, you have a show opening up at Arch Enemy Arts in Philadelphia on November 4th. Yep. The show opens up this Friday, first Friday in Philadelphia. And the first Fridays in Philadelphia are definitely slightly different from the first Fridays here at the Banana Factory. <laughs> um, it's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of college kids out, a lot of young professionals out and about. Um, a lot of just art lovers in general. It's, it's an old city uh, Philadelphia and um, lots of galleries there. You know, uh, I'm hoping that First Friday is just as exciting. It's been a, a bunch of years since I had attended one in Philly, and of course, it's the first one. You know, after or I, I, can we say post pandemic? You know, like I haven't been there since the pandemic mm. uh, to for a First Friday, but I'm, I'm hoping that the, the turnout is is good. Um. Yes, and it'll be up for the month. I believe it comes down at the very end of November. And um, yeah. That is awesome. Wonderful. And the name of the show is, one more time? Mountain Duality. Yeah. So um, you, know, you can imagine you know, the, the, the symmetry of things, the two, two sides to every story, and a lot of the things that I already said about these classic themes that I really love that have two different meanings, you know? Um, I felt like because I've been doing these these dual meaning pieces for so long, you know, at least winking to that aspect of it in, in this new show, um, this whole idea that people see different things. Some people see it. Like I kind of told the story about if you and I are hanging out in front of a mountain range, you know, we might f- completely have different emotions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do believe that when people see this, this work, they're going to have, people are going to have, feel differently about each piece. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, whether it's the color or the hard edges of some of them or the softer edges of others. So yeah, the, 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 this whole idea of duality, um, you know, was certainly interesting to me. And I, I felt like calling it Mount something, you know, this whole two-sided story. Um, I went through many names as potential names for the show. But when I came up with that one, I'm like, that one's, I like that one. Just very simple, kind of to the point. Um, but yeah. Very cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. I, I love how how well that encapsulates everything that we've talked about today, too, yeah. with mm-hmm. the duality of color, the duality of meaning in these in these different objects and yeah. and creatures. Um, everything down to, like you just said, these yeah. these landscapes themselves. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. You know, one of the things that that on the piece that you're that you're just interviewed me about um, Mother of the Mountain, that that sort of black sun in the background. Um, there's 11 pieces in the show, uh, nine of which have a sun or a moon that's exactly the same size. Mm-hmm. So when you see them all together, that that's like automatically a connection between all the work, except the two that will probably be at the end. Um, you know, again, focusing on landscapes, sort of that stacked perspective. One of the initial names uh, was going to be Portraits from an Unnatural World um, because although it is based in in nature, is it Earth? I don't know. Is it a different planet? <laughs> um, I kind of like this idea of this, this sci-fi uh, possibility, you know? Like I, I've done shows before where it's like after it's done, you kind of lay it all out and like, ah, like what if, what if I didn't paint these, you know, what if some other being painted these, you know, (laughs) unbeknownst to me and using me as a vessel. Uh, So there's all these, I I actually really like sci-fi. And the other thing about my, about just my work in general, certainly in the new show isn't, isn't different, you know, the texture and um, all of the colors are starting to advance and evolve and kind of go in different directions. The texture is still very much there and seeing it on screen, you know, you, like when you look at a lot of these pieces, seeing it on my social media, it's like, ah, that's nice. But when you see it in person, it's this whole other experience where you kind of get sure. lost in that texture. For sure. Um, and, you know, in terms of, of the overall artist statement of, of what I'm doing, um, you know, this whole idea of um, my work you know, being weathered in that way. It looks like there's like history behind it. Like, where's that from? You know, was it, was it done? You know, did you paint it yesterday or was it painted 150 years or, you know, 500 years ago? Who knows? Um, so someone, I had a show, a local show at some point and someone had come up to me and said, you know, your work is, is futuristic, but ancient at the same time, you know? And it was something that kind of stuck with me. And I do feel like, you know, you're, you're looking at that piece and you're like, that kind of looks like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> it's like classic, you know, it's timeless. It's, you know, maybe it wasn't done. Maybe it was actually published in a, in the original Lord of the Rings book, you know, or something, you know, it has mm-hmm. that kind of quality to it. So. Well, if you'd like to see more of Doug's work, um, you can visit his website, dougbame.com d-o-u-g-b-o-e-h-m and you also have an instagram which is at dougbameart 
And your show at Arch Enemy Arts is opening November 4th and will be display all month um, till the end of November 2022. Highly recommend. It's a cool space. It's some pretty cool art. You should definitely check it out in person. Keep an eye out for it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) 